Welcome to the first episode of the Let Me Explain podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Seward. I'm super excited to be able to bring you my side of each sports story with this podcast as I'll be covering all four major sports across the uh, the USA, including the NHL, NBA, NFL, and MLB. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Matthew Frosty. Uh, I, you can see most of my takes across all the sports there as long as well as here on this podcast. Um, we've got a lot to jump into today here on the first episode, and we're going to start with the NBA as it is tip-off week. Uh, a big week around the NBA. You have Brooklyn and Milwaukee opened up on Tuesday alongside LA and Golden State with the rest of the NBA to follow uh, this coming week. Uh, let's get right into it. Uh, I have my predictions, as I will state probably later on in this segment. Uh, the first thing I want to get into is the Ben Simmons news, right? Uh, we have the circulating all offseason as Ben Simmons going to get traded. Where is he going to play this season? He doesn't want to be in Philly. I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers have handled this situation as well as they should have. I think they've disrespected Ben Simmons. I think they've uh, they've kind of tarnished the name of Ben Simmons a little bit and they kind of backfired on themselves, right? I mean, the asking price for Ben Simmons has seemed to be pretty pretty steep, but yet you, you tarnish and you trash his reputation as what was once known as an all-star basketball player in the NBA. So I, I'm not sold that it's going the way that the Sixers hoped, but I'm also not sold that it's going the way Ben Simmons had hoped, right? Uh, as today, as I'm recording this, comes out that he was fined and basically kicked out of practice. He walked out of practice today. Uh, he will miss opening night for the 76ers. He was suspended a game uh, for lack of effort at practice. Uh, I believe it was Doc Rivers who asked him to join him in a defensive drill, and he denied it. He refused. He said he didn't want to do it, and it led to some uh, some words as Ben Simmons, you know, basically got up and left practice. So it's a murky situation in Philadelphia. A team just probably 12 months ago we all looked at as NBA title contenders. We now look and sit, are they even a top five team in the in the East, right? Uh, it's kind of been a drastic downfall, and, and, and it's kind of bad for Joel Embiid as well, right? You look at Joel Embiid, who's a – a superstar center, an all-world center, an all-world all athlete for the uh, 76ers, what do they do now, right? I mean, you had a window to win. You thought you had a window to win. You thought you had a team to win with Ben Simmons, and it really didn't come to fruition, right? So uh, I, I would believe he, he needs to play, right? I think that Ben Simmons uh, does need to show that effort at practice, and even though he has been disrespected, he's been probably drugged through the mud a little more than the 76ers should have. He still needs to go out there and try, right? The only way he gets traded, the only way the Sixers let him go is they get a good package, and the only way they're going to get a good package if another team buys into the thought that Ben Simmons can return to that all-star form, which I don't see why he can't, right? It's all been an, it's all it's always been an effort thing for Ben Simmons, right? So if he if he wants to go out there and know he doesn't want to play for Philly, he's going to have to play for Philly. He's going to have to make his name again. He's going to have to play good basketball, be efficient, score the score the rock. Be that all-world defensive player we know him as. And then maybe he can get traded, right? I, I don't see this as a long-term solution in Philly. He's not staying there past what I would think would be a month or two. I, I, I'm i not sold that Ben's there for long. So just go out there, play good basketball while you're there, do your job, and get out, right? And get out, get your way out, go to a new team, go to a new situation. Uh, whether that's Portland, which I doubt, or another team. You know, you have Sacramento rumors came up. That that would be an interesting thing for him, you know, a little bit of pre no pressure in Sacramento to win. Maybe that's what Ben Simmons needs. I don't know, right? So, 
I think Ben Simmons needs to kind of, I don't want to say grow up a little bit because he has been disrespected, but he needs to go out there and play basketball. He needs to go out there and be that all-star player we know him as, and he needs to go out there and prove to another team that he is worth investing in because I don't think the Sixers are ever going to let him walk for cheap. So you got you got to make your name name back, Ben Simmons, and I, I hope you figure it out in Philly. I hope Philly figures it out. That that city is just tough to play in. It always has been across all four major sports. I don't think it's changing here in the NBA. Uh, moving on to another basketball player who is a young and upcoming stud who is now dealing with a little bit of issues. It's DeAndre Ayton. I'm a, I am a resident Suns fan, so uh, I try not to let my bias interfere with what I say and how I approach situations as uh, DeAndre Ayton is looking for a contract extension, right? And as, as the Phoenix Suns, you have kind of dished the money around this offseason, right? You gave Chris Paul that four-year extension. You gave him 120 mil for the next four. You also signed Landry Shamit, who you, then you extended for another four. And then you also extended McCall Bridges. So everyone around DeAndre, Devin Booker, obviously been extended, right? You have all these players around DeAndre Ayton in this nucleus of a team. And Ayton is the only one that's not really been paid. So my thoughts on it are, as I think the Suns are actually probably addressing the situation the best they can. Uh, I think they need to see that next level takeover ability from DeAndre Ayton to want to pay him as much as he's asking, and I don't think they've seen that. Uh, he could very well develop into that player and very well develop into a top-tier center in this NBA, but he's not right now, uh, and, the, and the Suns don't think that a six-year deal is what's worth it in the long run, right? So you look at the next four years, you have Chris Paul, you have Devin Booker, you have McCall Bridges, you have Landry Shamit, and a bunch of other contracts on the books for that long. As soon as those come off the books, you st- and you're still tied to a DeAndre Ayton massive contract when maybe you're trying to rebuild after Chris Paul left or maybe it's time to retool this uh, organization around Devin Booker or whatever whatever the route is from four years, right? Is that certain going to be around DeAndre Ayton? And I think that's the question they need to ask, right? And I think that's probably what they are asking. They're asking themselves... Can we realistically see ourselves in four years being as competitive as we are today with a huge contract to DeAndre? I don't think the answer is yes. So that's why I believe that they haven't handed him a contract. And while it does look bad and it, oh, you know, someone's going to pay him. If you don't, I get that. He deserves to get his money. At the same time, is that the right business decision and structural decision for the next five to ten, seven years of your franchise? I don't buy that it is, right? You, you've gone the route with Chris Paul. You've signed the extension of Chris Paul. Let's let these four years play out, and then we can, maybe not even four years, another year, let the Aiton develop again. Um, I, I think Aiton would probably thrive in a little bit of a better situation. I think that maybe if he went to maybe a Charlotte or an Indiana, somewhere where he doesn't necessarily need to be the focal point, but he will get his minutes and will get his big role and can be a difference maker on both sides of the ball. I just don't know if the fit in Phoenix with this core is something the Suns want to extend longer than it already is. Um, so that's kind of just where I'm at. I think they need to let it play out. I think they need to see more progression from Aiton, and Aiton needs to, you know, prove to prove to them that this is why I'm worth that money, right? So some NBA news has been, just been swirling all offseason, really, and uh, and it's been centered around basically Ben Simmons and you know a little bit of DeAndre Aiton as of recently and. And basketball is tipping off this week, right? So I'm going to give you my predictions. I'm going to give you 1 through 15 of each conference, and then I'm going to give you who I think is going to come out of each conference to represent the NBA championship. Uh, we'll start in the West. As the 15th seed, I have the Houston Rockets. 
I think they're the worst team in basketball this year. I think they're they're abysmal. I don't think that they can efficiently score, and I'm not sure that they can play defense. I think they're going to lose, win less than 20 games. I, I just don't see any bright hope for uh, the Rockets outside of Jalen Green. Uh, I just, I just don't. I don't know. The Rockets don't attract me at all this year. I, I have them as the worst team in basketball. Actually, right behind. Right behind them is the OKC Thunder, and I like the Thunder's future, but I think at some point they're going to have to cash in on all that capital. They have a lot of draft picks, and I'm not sold that the right move is to draft with each of those picks. So I'm waiting to see that that next splunge, that next splurge, and uh, hopefully contention for the OKC Thunder because they do have some good pieces. I think the Josh Giddy rookie season is going to be fun to watch, but other than that, I don't expect them winning many games. I then have the Spurs followed by the Pelicans as the 13 and 12 teams in the in the west um just two teams that i'm not expecting major major jumps from i wanted to see the pelicans really explore free agency really spend that money really go get zion a really good guard after uh after lonzo ball excuse me left i just wanted to see that from the pelicans i didn't see it i don't like necessarily all they did in the offseason so they, they didn't really climb they didn't really move uh two teams that are moving up from what would seem last year are the Timberwolves and the Kings, who reside at uh, 11 and 10. I have the Kings just outside the playoffs this year. I think that they are a good team. I think that they can maybe compete for that play-in game. Uh, but I overall, I'm not major expectations for either of these teams. I like what the Timberwolves have done. I like, again, I like Carol Anthony Towns. I think he's one of the best, better centers in the NBA. Um, just not high expectations, but, I mean, you could see maybe a, a late playoff push in, in April or March for both of these teams. Maybe they're tr- six or seven games out trying to fight for a spot. And then coming on in on the nine and then the eight, I have it nine Blazers, eight Grizzlies. I think that uh, John Morant will continue to get better this year. He's looked phenomenal throughout his first few years in the league. So I think he'll continue to progress into that all-star superstar caliber point guard. They got some pieces there. You know, Jaron Jackson coming back from injury. You have all these stars in Memphis. And then you got Dame Dalla and C.J. McCollum over there in Portland. They're always competitive. They're always on that bubble, 8, 9, 7, 6, right around there. So they're going to be competitive. You know uh, Damian Lillard's going to keep them in a lot of ball games. So that's why those teams are right there at 8 at 9. And then 7 and 6, I have Mavericks at 7, Clippers at 6. I've seen a lot this offseason that the Mavericks were going to take this next jump and that Luka Doncic is, is that level of player. And while he is super talented and is, uh, without a doubt, a top 6, top 7 basketball player in the world i'm not sold that this mavericks team is ready to fight for a title i just don't think there's enough right and i don't think luca has can do it all i don't think he can drop you 40 a night have that game changing game takeover play and win every game right you can't ask him to do it all and i don't think they have enough on the outside to really be in that next upper echelon of teams in the west they sit at uh they sit at seven you got the clippers i know Kawhi is out for what would probably be all season, majority of the season, if not. I don't know how they're going to fare. You know, Paul George looked good in the playoffs. They have role pieces there. I think over time, I think they're just going to accumulate more wins in the Mavericks. I have these teams within a game or two of each other finishing. I think it could probably go either way. I just think the Clippers are probably a well more a more well organized team. So I'm going to go. I'm going to give the edge to the Clippers, and then at uh, four and three. I mean, sorry, four and five. At five, I have the Warriors. Four, I have the Nuggets. And this one was. Cl- tough for me because I don't I think there's going to be a little bit of regression for Nikola Jokic I just don't know how much and then you have the Jamal Murray injury news and who knows when he's going to come back and be fully healthy and be ready to play 
I think a lot rides on Michael Porter Jr.'s shoulders this year. And I don't know if he's up to the task of holding that number two spot, of being the number two option. I don't know. Uh, we know his defensive struggles in the past. If he's made strides in the offseason, is yet to be determined. I just have, I, I think the Nuggets are a little bit better until I see that the Warriors can come together as one again and be good. Because if they came in, they could jump all the way up to two on this list. We know the potential threat of the Warriors. I'm just not sold that their depth and their role pieces are enough to really accumulate more wins in the Nuggets over an 82-game season. Uh, followed by that 3-2-1, I'll just name them off. Uh, three Jazz, two Suns, and one Lakers. I think that uh, the Jazz, again, are a really good team this year. You have Mike Conley. You have Donovan Mitchell, obviously Rudy Gobert. You have Joe Ingles, who can shoot the rock from the outside. You got Bogdanovich, who can shoot the rock from the outside. It's going to be uh, a lethal Jazz team as it was last year. I expect a little regression because they were really efficient on offense. I could see a little regression coming from the uh, from the Jazz this year. Probably not enough to be substantial, but I don't think they'll be as efficient on the offensive side of the ball. And then the Suns, we know their historic run last year, their magical run. Uh, I think they're just as good. I, I've seen a lot of people start to fade them a little bit, maybe put them at three or four in the West. I still think the Suns are the second-best team in the West. I think that they're the most well-rounded team in the West. I think they have the best depth in the West. I think that... Outside of the Lakers in the in the star power, they have some of the best star power in Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I just really like the Suns this year, and I know I, again I'm not not gonna let my bias interfere because I do I am a Suns fan. Last year was heartbreaking, but I think this year they're gonna be as good. They're gonna be ready to compete in the playoffs, ready to come fight for another title. Uh, and then the Lakers, right? You got West, Russell Westbrook, you got all these, you got Carmelo, you got all these uh, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard, whatever have you, right? You got all these All Stars, former All Stars. Right, all pros. We'll see what they do, right? I mean, Kent Bazemore, you got a lot of options. Uh, it's going to be cur- – I'm curious to see how their lineups shake out on a nightly basis to see how many minutes LeBron, AD, Westbrook log, how many they log together, right, what the lineup combinations look like. Because if this Lakers team does figure a formula out that wins them games, it could be dangerous with the three all-stars they do have, right? So that's that's my 1 through 15. The team I do have representing the West are the uh, for the NBA championship is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I just think it's probably the safest bet. If I had to take a hot take, it'd be the Warriors. I don't even know if that's a hot take with Curry and Thompson hopefully being back soon. So those those are the two teams that I think I'd keep my eye on. Again, the Suns, the Jazz, the Nuggets, even the Clippers. They can all be dangerous in the playoffs. We know how the how the West works when it comes to the NBA. Uh, moving on to the East. And the East is the East is funny because I think I, 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 I'm pretty much against the grain on a lot of these teams in, in the East, the way I view them. I think that... uh. I'll just start at the bottom. I'll, I'll rifle through the bottom. I got Wizards, Cavs, Magic. I don't expect much from them. I know a lot of people are probably expecting a little more of the Wizards than I am. I think they're the worst team in the East still. I don't, I'm don't. i not sold that Bradley Beal's enough to win them games. I think that the Cavs and Magic made decent moves that are going to allow them to win games. I mean, those three teams, to me, are just the bottom three worst. I don't. You can flip-flop them any way, which way you want. To me, the Wizards just look like they're the worst team uh, top to bottom. And then you get... Uh, to 12, 11, 10, I have the Pistons or Pacers Raptors. Uh, Pistons, man, they got Cade Cunningham. You know the moves they made uh, with the number one overall pick. Cunningham, unfortunately, did miss his first game. Uh, he will miss his first game with the right, I believe, right ankle sprain. Uh, so hopefully he returns soon because I think with him in the lineup, the Pistons are can make some noise. I think that I really like the future. I really like Cade Cunningham. I think he's a stud. So I think that the, he can he can win them a few more ball games than some people might expect. 
and then you get to the Pacers, Raptors. These kind, these teams to me are just a little mid. I, I don't have any expectations that what would be shattered by these two teams. I don't think that they can compete for a title in the East. I don't think that they're gonna. If they slip in as an eight seed, I think they'd get destroyed by your, you know, your, the Milwaukee Bucks or the Brooklyn Nets or the Atlanta Hawks, you know. So, I, I, I just nothing exciting. And then you get to my eight seed, and my eight seed is where I mean, my nine and my eight are are just. A jumble because I have the Hornets and the Celtics, and I really don't. I keep flip flopping because I want to get the Hornets in the playoffs because I think they're going to be good, and I think they might even make a move to bolster this lineup uh, sooner rather than later. But then again, you know the Celtics—they got Jason Tatum, they got Jalen Brown, they got Marcus Smart, they got ball players over there that we know have success. They have success together. We know that the Celtics find a way to win. Uh, so I think both those teams are going to be fighting for that playoff in that that wild. Uh, that eighth seed, along with the Knicks, who I have at seven. I have the Sixers at six. And you know the situation with Ben Simmons. The Sixers could dra- drastically change. They could make a move and add another superstar in a Ben Simmons trade and bounce up from six to probably four, four to three. And then, or they could trade Ben Simmons and really not get a, all that back and fall a little bit or not win as many games because the, the chemistry is off and the locker room is lost or what have you, right? There's a lot of ten, uh, intangibles that. You really can't touch with the 76ers, so I kind of just placed them at six and let them ride there, and we'll see what happens with their season. At five is a team that I'm I'm a little n- not as hot on because I've seen a, the consensus seems to be that the Heat are one of the better teams in the NBA, and I'm just not there yet. I think they can be really good with Kyle Lowry. I think they can be really good with Jimmy Buckets and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Bam Adebayo. They got ball players, right? They got some of the best step in the NBA. I just don't know, right? And I, I, again, it comes to the factor that is it enough to to win? I think the East is loaded now, right? So when we saw the, the Heat really succeed, it wasn't necessarily as deep of an Eastern Conference as it is now, right? Because you do have my number four team, the Chicago Bulls, who I'm bullish on. Like, they're probably my sneakiest pick. They're probably my favorite sleeper to be better than most people expect i love the bulls this year i think that this is the year we see the ascension from zach levine i think this is the year that we see the bulls come together this this core is gonna work i think that they brought all the right pieces and i love lonzo ball in chicago so i'm excited to see what chicago can do i have them just a couple games above the heat if not it's probably a flip-flop for me um and then three three two one i have nets at three Again, it's kind of like the Sixers situation. It's a lot of intangibles with the Kyrie Irving news. And if he's going to play, if he can stay, if he can get the vaccine, if he's not going to get the vaccine. And then you have, you know, how's that locker room going to come together? The depth in Brooklyn isn't the best, right? So, and then and then you got the Hawks and the Bucks, right? And then I have the Hawks at two, Bucks at one. I think these are the two best teams in the East. Uh, I think the Nets would be the best team in the East if they were fully healthy without Kyrie. I think that's a major loss. So I have the Hawks and the Bucks at one and two. I think the Trey Young is just that guy. I, I I mean Trey Young is by and far and away one of the most talented players on the planet. And he has that game changing upside, that Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard changing upside and with the pieces around him and the depth that the Atlanta Hawks have built, it's a championship contending team. John Collins came into his own a little bit in the playoffs last year. You got Kevin Herder, you got a lot of ball. We got Bogdanovich in Atlanta. They can all shoot the rock. Right, and then you got Milwaukee, the defending champs. I mean, what what can't Giannis do at this age? Right, we see that he's been shooting threes. We know Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, 
right? They got a lot of ball players. Dante DiVincenzo, hopefully coming back from injury. Pat Connaughton made a name for himself last year in the NBA Finals. So the Bucks are probably my odds on favorite to leave the East. I had Lakers versus Bucks as my prediction. And if I had to go with the hot take, it'd be the Bulls. I think the Bulls can make some noise in the East. And I, it would not 100% shock me if, if we saw Prime, DeRozan, and, and Levine come together and the Bulls are in the NBA Finals. So that's where I'm at with, with the NBA as we stand today here on this on this lovely Thursday. Let me know what you think. Let me know, you know, at me on Twitter with your your rankings, your power rankings. Uh, as we open up the season, it's going to be a wild ride. I'm interested to see how teams play the first week. We get to see how teams come together, what teams don't. So it's going to be interesting. Um, But we do have to move on. Uh, we have to get a little bit into the MLB. As we know, MLB playoffs have been going on. And, uh... Man, it's been it's been crazy because as I sit here today, as I'm recording this, uh, the Braves are actually beating the Dodgers in Game Three, uh, five to two, right? So the Braves playing well, playing good ball, looking to go up three zero to the Dodgers, which is crazy to me. As at 106 win team, you you managed to fall back three zero. Uh, they could still come back tonight. I I am sitting here right to the right of me. I can watch the updates as they happen. Uh, the game is not over. But it is 2-0 Atlanta. Atlanta with two walk-offs, crazy walk-offs. Uh, I think we, uh, I heard on the radio, I believe, that they said the Braves won four teams in MLB history to open up a series with back-to-back walk-offs. It, it's crazy to watch. And uh, First it was Austin Riley, and now it's Eddie Rosario. The Braves are hitting the hell out of the ball. They're, they're lighting up on the pitchers. And the Dodgers just, they seem tired. Like I, the, What I've watched and what I've seen, the Dodgers seem a little bit, of t- little bit tired. So hopefully they can find that fire, find that that motivation to go out and get a win today and maybe force a 2-1 while still in L.A. Um, and then you get to the LCS, right? Houston and Boston, what a series that has been. We, Houston opened up game one. You saw Carlos Correa give that that tap on the watch, that that little taunt as he hit a, a monster uh, home run in game one in Houston. And then he went to game two and Boston poured it on, right? They had two grand slams in the first two innings. It was 8 nothing before you even opened your eyes and – and here you are, the series tied 1-1, and back to Boston. Well, in Boston, they decided to hit another, Kyle Schwarber, he, he decided to hit another grand slam. Boston took a 2-1 series lead. They played a night uh, that are in progress as well as we stand here in game four. Uh, so two really, I think, really, four really good teams, right, battling it out to make the World Series. Uh, it's just interesting to me because all season we raved about the Dodgers, how they're the best team in baseball. They got Scherzer, they got Trey Turner, they got studs left and right and center, and they—I mean—they got all stars all up and down their lineup. The, Wor- the World Series should be pretty much locked up, and it seems every time we say that about the Dodgers that it, it, it's not quite locked up. Uh, they do have a, 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 to me, a bad postseason rep when the pressure is on them, right? When you're supposed to win, they don't seem to be the team to win it, right? Uh, last year when they won the World Series, I mean, we were—I mean, yeah, but like it was a COVID year and. And it wasn't necessarily 100% expected that they would win this World Series. You had a Rays team that was hot, right? So this year, all year long, we've been talking at the Dodgers as the sh- surefire lock to be the World Series champs. Well, well, maybe not, right? So, again, four really good teams. You saw the Braves beat the Brewers. Red Sox beat uh, beat the Rays, which wasn't a surprise to me. And then you had Houston pretty much, to me, just pummel over the White Sox. And you had the Dodgers beat the Giants. And... A controversial game five ending, but ended up being it's over, right? I mean, you can't really argue it now. Uh, Dodgers moved on. Uh, I want to I want to get to a few little little notes around the MLB as well, uh, as you did see the St. Louis Cardinals fired their head coach Mike Schilt. Uh, it, 
to me, it was a surprise, but at the same time, it wasn't. Uh, right, and I, I, they, they stated it was for uh, philosophical reasons and differences, but at the same time, the, the only difference I could see is if they want to win or not in St. Louis. Uh, to me, I hope they want to win. Right, I, I, I come from St. Louis, so I did want to, I want to cover this a little bit. I am a Cardinals and Blues fan as well, just to state that for the record for future notice. Um, to me, you have to go out and make a move now, right? So if you're you're the front office, you're making this kind of a big call right as the season ends, right after a 17-game win streak. And I, I'm not blinded by it. I, I, I know we have flaws as a team. But if you plan on bringing in a new manager with the roster you have now and expecting it to go better than it did this year, it won't. It's not going to happen. We played good ball except for June, right? We were a good baseball team outside of June when the injuries hit and we didn't make any moves and we, we kind of got complacent and weren't hitting. The bats slowed down, right? So... To me, you got to make a move now. You're bringing in your guy. You, you're touting up that this is the guy that filed, f- finds my philosophical reasons and he believes in the way I want to play baseball. He believes in the analytics that I that I believe in. And Then you have to make a move. You have to go get a Carlos Correa, a Corey Seager, a Trevor Story, a uh, Marcus Simeon. Or you got to go get a Charlie Morton or Max Scherzer if he doesn't leave L.A. Right? you got to make a move for a big-time bat or a big-time pitcher. And really, really, really try to compete next year because the pressure is going to be on the front office. All the pressure is on John Moselock and Bill DeWitt to really work. There we are. We're on the verge of a contending team, of a, of a legit World Series title contending team. We need another bat. We need another, we need another pitcher on the mound, right? So I don't know. It, it's interesting to watch what happens. I want to see who they do hire. I, I've heard that there were names thrown around Study Clapp and Ali Marmol, who are in the organization. I've also heard Matt Holliday and Carlos Beltran, who are not in the organization. So I, I am curious who they do decide to hire as the next head coach for the for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think that's something that we should monitor uh, fairly closely for the next couple days and and see where they, where they decide to go. Uh, moving on, uh, we do we do have a little bit of NHL talk. You know, week one. Uh, was last week we saw some uh, some risers, some fallers uh, from you know some preconceived notions. As you come into a year, as just a couple minutes ago I mentioned in the NBA uh, NBA segment, my picks one through fifteen. As the season goes on, obviously those are going to change. You know you're going to move these guys down. They're not playing as well. You're going to move this team up. They're on hot. They're fire. Right. It's going to be the same thing in hockey. So you get into hockey and you know you had some guys that. Uh, we're looking to impress. You know, you had St. Louis, who just two years ago was coming off a Stanley Cup win, who doesn't have the same roster at all, but they look to compete as well this year. And they, they started off well. They're one of my week one risers, 2-0. and They beat the Brakes off the Coyotes last, uh, I believe it was Monday. They beat the Brakes off the Coyotes, scored five goals in five minutes. Uh, Pittsburgh's another big riser for me with all the injuries with Crosby and Malkin out. I like what I've seen from Pittsburgh. They managed to put some wins in the column, and that matters when you have some of your biggest star power out. Edmonton and Minnesota as well. They started off. They again. It's only been a week, right? So I'm not saying that these teams jump all the way to the top of the power rankings, but I am saying that these teams are on the are on the rise, right? They they played a good first week of hockey. What you hope to see from your favorite team out of these four teams, you got. They won their hockey games. They played well. They scored goals, right? So Edmonton, Minnesota, they continue to do that. Minnesota's young and on fire. I I, I and I'm a Blues fan. It's coming from a Blues fan. I really like watching the Minnesota Wild play. Caprizov uh, is a fun guy to watch. They got. Uh, Eric Sinek, they got a lot of guys up there in Minnesota that can play, and they're young. So Minnesota's a team to keep their eye on. They could be really on the rise uh, as the season progresses. Some of my biggest followers, 
I, the Vegas Golden Knights are number one to me. I, I haven't liked at all what I saw from Vegas. I watched their first game, was not impressed. Nothing nothing came out of the woodwork saying that this team is a legit Stanley Cup contending team. And again, it's been one week. So that's probably an overreaction. They'll probably get it together. But after one week, I didn't like what I saw. They're gonna follow my they're gonna fall a little bit in my power rankings. Another team that truly shocked me in the way they're playing is the Winnipeg Jets. I, I was bullish on the Jets and I, I'm I'm pretty much still am. It's been a week. But they're falling. I mean, they they didn't play well their first week. They they didn't score a lot of goals. They let up a lot of goals. They didn't they didn't look at sync at all. Uh, kind of like this next team on my followers list, the Montreal Canadiens, who literally can't buy a goal. I think they have three goals in three games. They they cannot score the uh, the puck. It, it it it's it's hard to watch Montreal if you're in DFS or fantasy. Play the goalie that is against Montreal because he is going to have a night. They can't score. They can't figure out how to hit the back of the twine. I, I don't know what's going on in Montreal after a year last year that they looked like they could contend. So I I don't know. I Montreal is just a whirlwind of surprises to me. And then uh, one name that I, I have seen floating around the, the NFL, uh, not NFL, NHL sphere is uh, Jack Eichel and uh, the, 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 the fallout for when he will be traded. And I, I don't know because you have options, right? You have the New York Rangers rumor that's been around for whatever feels like forever now. Uh, but now that Nikita Kucherov is hurt for the, the Lightning and seems to be out long term, what seems to be might be a few months. I think it was Serge Chev came out uh, today and mentioned that uh, he should be back by after the Olympics. I believe that's what it was. The quote was so a few months out for Kucherov. Is this is this a move where they get Jack Eichel and become a super team and try to go for that elusive three third cup in a row? Or does Jack Eichel find himself in New York? Does he find himself in Colorado with McKinnon out? I know he, I believe he's returning next, I want to say tonight or tomorrow uh, from the COVID list. So I know they could probably use that with Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel, wherever he goes, is going to be a difference maker. He's going to make plays. He's going to score you goals. So I'm, it's just a storyline that I think we've been following for two years, right, with Jack Eichel. Uh, but I think this is the year he finally probably gets traded. So I, I am interested to see where he does end up. Uh, yeah, then my next point was the Nikita Kucherov injury. Is, and it, to me, it's not as significant on the Tampa Bay Lightning as it would be on really any other team. I just think they have such good depth that they, they – I mean, you really can't replace what Kucherov is bringing to your table. But if any team could replace what Kucherov brings to the table best, it's probably the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I'm not too worried about how they'll play in the next few weeks or the month or what have you. I think they're going to be competitive. They're going to be contenders come playoff time. They're going to be ready to roll for a Stanley Cup third year in a row. Uh, and that's that. Uh, There's just nothing really to me with the uh, with Nikita Kucherov that shakes fear for the rest of the season for Tampa Bay, unless I've heard other, unless I hear otherwise. So, uh, continue to be riding that Tampa Bay train high and expect uh, another good year of good outcomes for them. Uh, moving on to our NFL segment, the segment that I kind of want to take maybe a little bit more time on, uh, as the NHL and MLB kind of slow right now you know you got the two games a day basically for the mlb it's nice to cover those uh as we sit here and it actually looks like the dodgers did take a 6-5 lead heading into the ninth so i guess they scored four in the bottom of the eighth as we're sitting here live and a 6-5 dodgers as they look to make a 2-1 so there's an update for you but outside of that let's get to the nfl um i have my biggest and uh my biggest risers and followers from week six 
Uh, as you know, week six just wrapped up, and, man, Baltimore's on fire. Can we take a second and just mention that? Lamar Jackson's putting the world on notice again. Again, I, I, I never thought that he'd play better than his, his MVP year, and he's playing better than his MVP year just two years later. It's it's truly dumbfounding what we're seeing from Lamar Jackson and how well he plays under pressure, and he gets wins. He finds a way to win the tough games. Um, I've heard a lot of people saying, well, he's uh, a game-winning record-breaking field goal away from losing to the 0-6 Detroit Lions. And at the same time, he's also two Hollywood Brown drops away from blowing them out by 20. So I love what I've seen from Baltimore. I think they're the best team in the AFC as we stand today. They should be the number one contender for the Super Bowl. Lamar should be number one in MVP odds. He's again running and throwing as well as you could ever ask any human to ever do. I love what I've seen from Baltimore. And saying in that division, Cincinnati, I know it was the Lions. I know it was Detroit. But, man, they look good, right? They they won. They're 4-2. They sit solely possession of that second seed in, uh, in that division, in a tough division where, you know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, and Baltimore, I think they get Baltimore this week, Cincinnati. So we'll, we'll really see a true test for Cincinnati if they're a true contender or not. You know, Jamar Chase has been lighting the world on fire. I love Jamar Chase. I'm sorry. And I love T. Higgins as well. I think that they can both – Continue to be difference makers on offense for Joe Burrow, and that defense is starting to come together. You got Sam Hubbard, you got Trey Hendrickson, you got all those studs as well, Jesse Bates. So I like what I've seen from Cincinnati. I hope they continue to put it together. Uh, another team on my riders list is the Dallas Cowboys. Man, five and one, five wins in a row. And I know, I know, a lot of the the Cowboys haters are starting to rumble and tussle and try to find that excuse. Oh, they haven't played the hardest schedule, and oh, they haven't. They haven't really won any key games. They lost to Tampa Bay. I, I get it, but they're 5-1. and one. The offense is rolling at an extremely efficient rate. You got CD. You got Amari Cooper. Dalton Schultz has really come into his own at tight end. And you got Zeke, who looks to bounce back this year as well. Tony Pollard is an efficient runner. Offensive line is trying to stay as healthy as they can. The offense in Dallas is rolling. And then the defense and the man of the hour in Trayvon Diggs, who's on pace, I, I believe, to break the all-time interception season season interception record right i think he's got seven it's crazy right i mean he's got 11 games left he's got seven interceptions and i believe the record's 14 so the odds are that he could break that record uh he's just a ball hawk man he might not be the best in coverage and might not be the quickest but he's got such amazing ball skills that he almost makes up for it all and then my biggest you know my biggest followers are seattle uh they're just injuries man you got russell wilson out you got chris carson out and it's just a slew of injuries in Seattle, and you could say the same about Baltimore. You know, Baltimore has the most players on the IR right now, and they're continuing to find ways to win. But Russell Wilson being out, it's a huge difference in Seattle. They don't have the roster. They don't have the defense. Baltimore does. Uh, so Seattle continues to take tumbles and tumbles down this list. I don't I don't see them making the playoffs this year. It's, it's tough to envision a road where they do with Russell Wilson being out, out as long as he did. Uh, Geno Smith is what he is, right? I mean, maybe they bring in Cam Newton, but at this rate in their careers, is he absolutely that much better than Geno Smith? Probably not, right? Uh, Carolina falls a little bit for me. Sam Darnold seems to have come down a little bit back to earth after the, the insane start for him, especially on the rushing touchdown side. So he seems to be coming back down to earth a little bit, and, you know, CMC being out uh, does play a major part in, uh, part in that. Uh, my last two followers, and uh, the main one here is Cleveland. Continue to, you know, they fall to three and three. They're not playing as well good football as I thought they would, and I know they're dealing with a, the cream hunt injury now. He hit the IR. Chubb's out for Thursday against Denver. They're, they're dealing with a slew of injuries. Baker hasn't taken that next step as a QB where he can go out and win you a game. 
by himself. Uh, so I, I think I was wrong on Cleveland. I, I don't want to count my chickens too early because I, 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 they were my sleeper pick for the Super Bowl. I think I was wrong. A lot of football left. I I'm not going to count out, count myself out yet. But they don't look like the team I thought they would. And then Miami. I mean, they have been just terrible this year, and that's not what I expected. They sit at one and five. They lost to Jacksonville. They now have to travel back from London with no bye break and play Atlanta, who's coming off a bye. I don't see them winning that game. I, I don't see a bright a bright future for Miami this year. I think that Tua is it, and you better hope he continues to play the way he did against Jacksonville because he, he looked good. Nothing else about that team looked good. Their offensive line's atrocious. So Miami falls. And then I wanted to hit you, uh, give you my quick Week 7 predictions as we're heading into Week 7. It's uh, In fantasy, it's by again. You had a lot of teams on by. You got the Chargers, Dallas, Pittsburgh. You know, a lot of fantasy stars on by this week. So you're going to have to adjust. You can catch all my fantasy and, uh, yeah, my fantasy football information, usually over my Twitter, I do have another show I do at the Fantasy Newsroom where I do cover more fantasy, waiver wire, stuff like that, additions uh, to help you win your leagues. But I'm going to go Broncos over Browns on Thursday Night Football. I think that the Browns injuries are going to catch up to them. I think the Broncos are better than some teams give them credit for at this stage. I uh, I think that the Broncos can steal a win from the Browns here and drop the Browns to what would presumably be the last place in that division at the time. Uh and then you got Packers versus Washington. I think the Packers. And so this week here, I'm looking at the games, and it just seems almost kind of easy to pick these games to me. And these aren't going with the spread. They're not money line. It's not anything. These are just my predictions. Who's going to win the game? Uh, I got the Packers beating Washington. I think that's pretty chalk. I think that's pretty easy. Chiefs beat the Titans. What the Titans did last week against Buffalo was nice. I don't think they continue that into another week against the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs' defense is abysmal. Uh, you could see a big game from A.J. Brown again. You could see Derrick Henry run for three touchdowns and 160 yards. It could very well happen, but I just don't think that's enough. That's going to be back-to-back weeks to keep up with the Bills and the Chiefs. I think they'll fall short. I got the Falcons beating the Dolphins, as I stated earlier. The Dolphins are coming off a tough game in London. they got to fly back, no bye week or anything, and they got to play the Falcons, who are coming off a bye week, freshly refreshed. It's going to be tough for the Dolphins to win that game. I got my I got Atlanta winning that game pretty comfortably. I got the Patriots beating the Jets. I got the Giants beating the Panthers. I got the Ravens beating Cincy. I got the Eagles beating Vegas. I got LA destroying Detroit. I got Arizona destroying Houston. I got Tampa Bay destroying Chicago. I got Indy beating San Francisco. And then I got New Orleans beating Seattle. So those are those are my predictions for the week seven slate. The winners, the losers, as you know. Uh so it's going to be an interesting week. Uh, two teams I do want to keep my eye out on the most this week are going to be Indianapolis and New Orleans. I think New Orleans needs to pick up a big win against a, a hurt Seattle team. I think they will. I think New Orleans does need to win a, a big one as they try to continue to figure out their footing uh, through this season. It, it seems to be a little bit of a weird start for New Orleans, and if they can continue to get healthy, as they do have Michael Thomas, uh, who I believe is eligible to return off IR this week. So uh, I want to see what they can do, and I also want to see uh, – what San Francisco can do in Indianapolis in that game against Indianapolis. I, I think that game could go either way. Wentz and Jonathan Taylor have been on fire. Michael Pittman having his second-year breakout. And then San Francisco, right? Uh, is Jimmy G going to be the guy? Is Trey Lance the guy? Is uh, Elijah Mitchell for sure the starter? Is Brandon Ayuk ever going to see the ball? Right? There's a lot of questions still with those two teams. So I'll be watching that Sunday night, Monday night game pretty heavily. I think those are going to be two good games. As always, if, uh, if you have enjoyed this, Leave a like, leave a comment, leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, well, that's going to wrap up to uh, the first episode of the Let Me Explain podcast. 
uh, as these shows continue to accumulate and I build takes and I and I give you my my thoughts of basically that day or the last few days of sports, I uh, I will start explaining uh, you know takes that were wrong or takes that were right and uh, maybe have a few guests on that that kind of come come at me and combat me so I can explain you know so we're gonna leave this show uh, pretty open and have a chill uh, lovely time here just you know, discussing my thoughts, right? This is kind of a, a journey into my mind. I, that's why I wanted to do this. I wanted to get something out there where people could just click on it and listen to my rant, my thoughts, and my my moments and my talk about the sports the last few days and the days upcoming. So I appreciate everyone that tuned in, everyone that listened. If you did enjoy, leave a rating on, on the app that you're currently using to listen to this. I would greatly appreciate that. I hope you guys have a wonderful night, a good weekend for football, a good weekend for baseball and hockey and basketball. It's always a good time when all four major sports are on. We all know this, right? We got the basketball coming. Hockey's been here for a week. Baseball's right in the thick of the playoffs. And you got the NFL. You know, that's starting to heat up and rev up to to starting to contend and pretenders and contenders. So it's fun. It's always fun here. I'm going to keep it relaxed, and I will see you guys next week. I hope you guys have a lovely rest of your day. Have a good one. Peace. Mm